Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 84 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is the twisted genius Dean Ayers, and I'm joined as ever by sports journalist and hooked on wrestling features editor Liam Happ. Good evening to you, Liam. How are you doing? Well, Dean, I'm I'm doing fine. But the most important question is, how are you doing? <laughs> well, I, I suppose I also should say a belated Happy New Year to you. Yes, um, <laughs> we we have had a. We do you realize something always seems to go wrong around the turn of the year for us? Yep. December, January is a time we had two years of your laptop dying on its ass, and your laptop was fine this year. And we foolishly we said, Well, what's gonna go wrong this year? And um, yeah, I basically, um, the, the week before the week of Christmas just had a bit of a Nothing much, just a bit of a, a what felt like a little cold, and I was thinking, well, you know, just to be on the safe side, because I was going into my um, office at work because our office was open um, for certain things. Um, I thought I'll just be on the safe side. I'll get a test. It'll be negative, but at least it puts my mind at rest that it's nothing to worry about. And um, and then at 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve, I got a um, text message from the NHS uh, Track and Trace saying that um, my result had come back as positive. Um, and then um, my other half then went for a uh, went for a test, and I think she her result came back on Boxing Day. So. Um, yeah, my, my Christmas morning was actually spent filling in the NHS Track and Trace um, website where you give all your details and then you basically give um, give the details of people that you've been in close contact with. So I was absolutely racked with guilt because basically two people that I work with um, and two people that I uh, am friends with that I'd uh, been out to a uh, local football match with a few days previous um had a notification from the nhs on christmas morning to tell them that they had to self-isolate for for 10 days which was uh, great yeah (laughs) so but i mean the whole that whole system is is pretty much useless anyway simply because um you have to put all the information in so like i I went to, um, I'd gone to my local snooker club. I don't know the names and telephone numbers of the people there, so I just couldn't list them. So it's, it's, it's not hugely effective. But I did get two phone calls from the NHS during my self-isolation period to check that I was at home, which I was. But, I mean, again, it's something that I guess if you didn't want to be at home, you could just tell them that you are when you're not. But... Um, but yeah, you know, being being a baby face, I played by the rules. Um, actually, what am I talking about? I'm a heel. I should have been. I was going to say, what the hell was I doing? Playing by the rules? I've let everybody down. You should have been um, like, oh, what do you mean? There's a sound of a train in the background. Oh, that's just the TV. Yeah, I'm at home. Don't you worry. Yeah. Um, but 
the the thing that I mean, it's been it's been well, this is the fifth week now that I've I've had uh, had symptoms. It kind of got worse and worse up to about um, the the end of the year, and then it started to get gradually better. But the the worst thing I've still got, um, as as you may know from uh, from reading the Wrestling Observer, um, I have um, still got a bit of a cough, not too bad. Um, definitely this week it is it has subsided a bit. But the worst thing of all is the it is the energy levels or, or lack lack thereof. Um, absolutely, you know, I was just getting absolutely wiped out, and that that has been getting better. And I have been sort of you know increasing things like you know going for walks every day and increasing the length I'm going for them. And I'm now doing things like cooking dinner, which doesn't sound like much, but it's quite an achievement for where I was you know a few weeks ago. Um, but you know, I can I can honestly say, mate, that this is this is like nothing I've ever had before. Um, in the first few days, I thought, oh, it's it's just a bit like a flu or a cold. And then it's just, it, it ramps up and up and up. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I was never in a position where I couldn't breathe. I was in a position where I could tell that my breathing was, you know, 50%, 60% capacity. But, um, you know, I didn't need to go to the hospital or anything like that. But, yeah, you, you can... You, you can tell and you can see how how people um pass away from this illness if they're if they're in a weakened state um there there has been a guy um on the british wrestling scene matt lomax that was hospitalized and he came home um i think it was last weekend after a, a while in hospital it has really really affected people so i was also going to say if i if i sound a little bit less energetic than usual if i have to stop for a cough then that that's why but um yeah it's been um it's it's been a uh, a very a very stressful few weeks basically which compels me to add at the very end of that to anyone who needs to hear this listening to the podcast wear a fucking mask <laughs> not not the Rey Mysterio type mask well I mean wear both a whole thing about yeah wear yeah. both if you want if that's if that's the way you're inclined but it, it little things that are a minor inconvenience trust me I'll, I'll say this firsthand running a home school at the same time as as carrying out work and doing other projects i've got a wife upstairs trying to do her very high stress job trust me we're all inconvenienced but we'd rather not all be inconvenienced slash dead for the next two years yes i read a very good quote from someone today which said you know, the the reason that you know we're doing what we're doing and making the sacrifices we're making now is so that when we all do finally get back together again, nobody is missing. And I think that's a really good way of of saying it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, also during uh, during all of this, obviously, I've, you know, as I've started to recover, I've had a bit of time on my hands um, to convalesce. Like Not like that. Um, and I did. Uh, have you seen? You cannot kill David Arquette. I really need to get. I mean, it's it's a must. I have to watch that at some point. Yeah. And I did miss the boat on the on the sky bottle. Although maybe it's because I know they leave stuff on demand for a while. So if it's not too late, maybe I can use the search function to find it. Yeah. Available it to on, download. Yeah. Sky documentaries where I saw it. Very um very interesting. Very interesting indeed. And it's got Ric Flair and DDP on there. Um the reason you, you reminded me actually is because right at the end there was um because he goes to do some training 
Germany and Mexico. And right at the end, they had uh, two luchadors in a supermarket. And I said to my other half that they were clearly ahead of the curve when it came to wearing a mask in a supermarket. Hey, hey. hey. But how, how have you been? Because, you know, we've, we've kept in touch a bit. But, you know, for our for our uh, our dear listeners, they have, they've not heard your dulcet tones for a, a, a month, basically. Oh, well, that's one way of putting it. Dulcet tones, my yeah. thick cockney drawl. <laughs> <laughs> and my inability to keep the mic at the exact same position with proximity to my mouth. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm made for this project. I, I'm surprised I've lasted this long. I really am surprised you haven't just found someone else who's who's insanely obsessed with WCW to do this with. But um, yeah, as people who hear your wildly differing introductions of me over the last dozen episodes will will uh, ascertain, I. Uh, my my workload has been increasing just before, during, and after this period of lockdown, and mm-hmm. I do I do contribute in the in the ever growing transitioning new media entity that is the Zone, which is basically hoping to be like the Netflix of sports. Quite a few people subscribed already. I, I implore you to subscribe as well. It's it's, it's rolled out globally and it's available in the uk now and for the, for the time being it's just one pound 99 a month and that entitles you to watch i mean the recent fight between luke campbell and luke campbell and ryan garcia i should say that was on the zone uh canelo fights on the zone uh pretty much everything they're linked with with the exception of the matchroom stuff which will stay on sky uh for two pound a month it's really good content plus your interviews and, uh, and news bits and Eddie Hearn regularly goes on there and breaks news with Akam Barak. So there's, there's loads of great content there. Uh, most people expect the price point to go up, but so will the amount of stuff available. And I know firsthand that they very much plan on keeping that to scale. The price will only go up when there's a considerable amount more to offer on the service so it's it's been really good getting back into what what's coming close to my first full-time uh work gig in a couple of years um and obviously also we've got the the, the hooked on wrestling website that i always crow about on here the, the features continues to be fantastic uh rumble week ongoing so it's a yeah. good time to to be involved in that yeah and with the with lockdown returning, we've got a little four-year-old uh, running around the place. So it's been a massive plate-spinning exercise, uh, and it is good to just get back to do, doing this. And hopefully, we'll do it on the semi-regular still. You know, it could be another golden age for podcasting if we can Absolutely. keep our sanity. And uh, what a way to start! Of of course, before we had our crew, we, we were going to have a. a two or three weeks off anyway weren't we Dean and before yes. that was extended through circumstances beyond our control we knew we were coming back with a bang we knew the first one back would be a watch along but not just any watch along Dean oh no we have uh, we have sat through 36 episodes of hour long Monday night shows and what's this Liam this episode is one hour 32 minutes long That'll be two hours with ad breaks. Yep. What could this possibly be? Well, I don't know, but the thumbnail has some dude who's vaguely familiar in double denim. So maybe it's some sort of milestone. Maybe maybe, maybe this is some sort of famous episode of Monday Night Show. Shall, shall we try and find out? I think we should. So, I mean, let, let's just remind ourselves what, what's been going on on Nitro. I mean, they've 
they've been they've been doing good. I mean, for the most part, the vast majority of the 36 episodes we've watched have been thumbs up. Yeah, two um, or three episodes we really regretted watching, and that's it, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? That, two or three, you could count on one hand. That's a that's a very good average. Yeah, and and it, and we we often commented that the the hour flew by. Mm. So now they're doubling that to two hours. So now we've got to ask ourselves, and this is you know, the, the question I guess we'll, we'll have answered during this episode. Do they have the depth of the talent pool to make a two-hour show entertaining, engaging, and interesting? Um, um, I mean, it could be that you know, people that haven't been featured much get featured and, and actually become, become big stars. I mean, you look at someone like Eddie Guerrero. He's been one of the talisman of, of, of uh, Nitro in so many different matches with so many different opponents. Um, but you know, it's mostly what what it centered around. We've had obviously Ric Flair spending the Macho Man's money and, and the Macho Man going barking mad and being banned from the building and stuff. That's been going on the last Don't few weeks. Don't forget the banquet table. It's been the MVP of the last few weeks of Nitro. Ric Flair's banquet table. Oh, amazing! Um, and of course, that that perpetual question, Liam. What's going on? What's the deal between Sting and Lex Luger? Well, I get the feeling that might be simmering down a bit now. I think Luger's Luger's transitioning to full-fledged babyface now. Such a shame. Yeah. Because we never did find out what is the deal we, we, between we Sting and Luger. <laughs> we didn't, and um, and of course, um, the the giant is the world champion. Um, and and Hogan has disappeared because we all know he'll be returning in a few months' time. So but let's enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> indeed. So um, so if you do want to um to watch along with us uh, on the the WWE Network or wherever you may be getting your episodes of Nitro from, um, we are on episode dated May the twenty seventh, nineteen ninety six. And it was uh, earlier this week big news in the States about the uh the, the network moving to um Peacock was it? Yes. So what what US does that what well, does that ju- mean? It is jumping under an an umbrella of uh, a streaming service out there. You remember in America, they've got so many more options that we don't get over here, such as Hulu and uh, the, the TV yeah. network to get involved. You've got like HBO Max and CBS On Demand and things like that. And this is the NBC's version. So they have... Um, this is their attempt to get a bit of a squad together for their service and convince people to do it. And cust- at face value, customers should benefit because... You're getting, you're paying less than you were for just the network. Plus, you're getting more under the whole package. And um, obviously, WWE are laughing all the way to the bank because they've just guaranteed themselves money that they weren't seeing as an independent streaming service. Right. So um, I guess we'll, so. So basically, if, if in America, if you want to subscribe to the WWE Network now, you've got to subscribe to this peacock service you have to but if you were already with the network you will be paying less for more or i believe the same amount for more if you take them up for their vip package which involves more 
I don't know. Like, I'm guessing more. Oh, because they're getting all these tiers, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more screens. Maybe that's where the 4K enabling is. You know, the usual. I've not. I couldn't tell you for sure what the benefits are from a higher price point, but those are usually the sort of things you get if you pay a stream service more. You get like 4K enabled. You get uh, yeah. more. You can use it more screens simultaneously, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Bit like Pornhub then. I would, not, I would I would not know. What what's no. a porn hub? Um I think it's a cookery website. Is it is it a hub of porn? No, that'd be too obvious, wouldn't it? Too obvious, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's like, you know, we've got this bloke, he's a giant, what should we call him? Yeah, I mean you're I mean you've always been a fan of the obvious name sites. I thought that was what attracted you, like your subscription to VenezuelanDuckSmut.com. You didn't like the cryptic ones, did you? No, no, you always forget the names of those websites. Exactly. So Pornhub may be a hub of porn, but I wouldn't know, obviously. No, no, me neither. Right, May the 27th, 1996. Um, it's like we haven't on... been away for a single day, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we are on zero, 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 zero. Are you ready? I am ready as ever. Okay, we will press play in three, two, one, go. Q burning building. Yeah, for the first time in 2021, we're going to watch some buildings burn. Do you realize this is our fourth calendar year? We still haven't run out of stuff to watch. I really don't want to offend you, but it's actually up here. Well, I blame COVID. Yeah, oh, of course you're, you're going to blame him for everything, aren't you? Yep. Oh, God, yeah. Fair you are looking live as professional wrestling Now, for some reason, I have got the um, go. Oh no! Just as I was saying, I've got the uh, go back, go forward ten seconds and pause stuck on my screen, and it's now. It's it now does clear. linger, doesn't it? Yes. And hello, we've got new new announcers. What the at hell? That ringside, rather than up in that little place they usually are. It's Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco with that little twiddly salute of his. So Schiavone just said they're covering the first hour, but I must revert back to what I was going to say, which is, what kind of sorcery is this? What kind of sorcery? It's interesting. This is the first time we're hearing the voice of Larry Zabisco on, on the Nitro. Might even be Schiavone, actually. On Nitro, yeah. You'd imagine he's shown up in an interview or so, but maybe he hasn't. Definitely knows Zabisco so far, but Zabisco obviously became quite a uh, staple of this show. He got involved in some feuds as well. Of course, yeah. So they're, they're running down the card here. We've got um, we've got the shark, John Tenter, that is def uh, challenging the giant for the world title. And uh, we've also got a big singles match between Scott Steiner and Sting. It should be quite good. 
for the great American bash. Two staples of the company. Yep. So Nitro is now two hours. I think he said Colonel Park will be introducing someone new. Here's, yeah, here's a little bit of trivia that gets lost in the surface of what's going to happen that we won't talk about just yet. Is that, is that yes, um, Colonel Parker is debuting uh, uh, technically a new client. It's a familiar face for guys who've watched wrestling in the 80s and 90s. But it's like meant to be a new gimmick. But people forget right. that in, the, in in retrospect. You just think it's just some fluff match, but no, this was it was supposed to be the. It reminds me. Do you remember that NXT angle? Who was it that got a big clap up in 2016? Oh, what was his name? They gave him they gave him weeks of building up to his first match, and you expect him to come out and crush this guy. And as he's made his first ever entrance, Samoa Joe's come out, choked him out, and you never saw him again. <laughs> it was like a big troll job and that is what this is like because they're putting a bit of um, credence on this being like a, a, a big night yeah. for Conrad Parker you wouldn't even remember the patch was at the end of it so here comes the nature boy with woman and Miss Elizabeth in matching sort of teal coloured dresses yeah woman looks drawn she looks pale I think she's gone at least 35 to 37 minutes without, without cheating at something. Yeah. yeah, we need to fix that. Her and Liz are matching, though. Indeed. And Liz is smiling. Oh, and they've just walked past the banquet table. The banquet table is here, which I think the is, real star is the, of the show. Yeah, it's what we were all wondering about. Fuck the giant, put the belt on the table. Like, just have the table pin the giant. Hey, if this was DDT promotion in Japan, it would. Oh, I love that. It was the ladder, wasn't it? It was a ladder that was and did you ever Did you ever see any video clips that involved that the, la- the ladder had its own entrance music? And when it, and when it would uh, be put on someone to win the title back or whatever, uh, it would play, you blow it on sky. That one. So here we go. This is the American males. Scotty Riggs and Marcus Alexander Bagwell. He's not Buff Bagwell at this point. He's just Marcus Bagwell, basically. Yeah, we've got another seven, eight months to wait for that. I believe we'll watch that unfold on Nitro. I'm, I'm pretty certain that was a relatively significant angle or part of a relatively significant angle. And and the other thing that's significant about this, apart from just the simple fact that it's gone from one hour to two, is basically with the, the, the doubling of length and with obviously what the big angle that's going to happen in a little while on this show, this is the moment in time where WCW's flagship show switches from Saturday night to Monday night. Yeah, that, that's what a lot of this dressing up must be about. There, there can't be any denying that. And we're really hoping, for, for the sake of this series, aren't we, Dean, that we no longer find ourselves thinking, oh, what are they talking about that happened? What happened on Saturday night? That should, obviously, 
give it another year or so and Saturday night's an afterthought. But there's going to be a bit more of a transition, I'd imagine. And hopefully we'll be on top of the major stuff more from now on. What I never understood with that was why they didn't just um, you know, run run or rerun some some of the angles from Saturday night on on Nitro. It kind of uh, it keeps it keeps your, your wage bill down a bit. I suppose they uh, they have people on contracts and really matter how often they wrestle. But and you say not pointless needed any longer because here we are with. Nitro's the flagship show. Yeah, Flair damn near um, threw Riggs to the outside onto Elizabeth. She just got out of the way. It's the most active and dynamic she, she's been so far. <laughs> Big backdrop from Bagwell on Flair. Anderson is in the corner getting pummeled by Riggs. It's, it's amazing watching Ric Flair guide a match just with his ring positioning. He, he puts himself right in the right places. He Sometimes he puts himself on the ropes a bit a bit too over-eagerly to the point where it might look like he is actually wrestling himself. <laughs> but you can see who the... And this is something like for a long time, I would actually blissfully not pick up on some of these things that you'll be very intricately aware of as, as someone in the industry but but with little moments like that you really do see who is the leading hand in a dance and who who is yeah. the follower little things like that. we're with Flair and these two guys because I think we saw um, was it Riggs or Bagwell we had a decent little singles match with him recent weeks didn't we um, Bagwell I think yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was a similar situation where yeah. you know, Riggs and Bagwell have got a decent amount of experience, but obviously Ric Flair's going to, on, on, on primetime TV, Ric Flair's going to drive that car. Yes. And, and also, did you notice when, when they cleaned house and the, the American males are in the ring and the horse were on the outside, the, the males were just doing a double hand clap and the entire crowd seemed to be clapping along with them. And it's just the, the sterling heel work of the horsemen has got the males over probably better than they've ever been as a tag team in their lives. Yeah, I'm, I'm really trying to gauge this audience because it sounded quite muted at first, but one thing that is abundantly clear is they've booked a much larger venue than most Nitros are held at. So yeah. I suppose that is factoring into it. This, I mean, it's still not a massive venue. It's not you know, the arenas that they would be doing in a couple of years' time. But, you know, I'd say it's about, it's about six, 7,000 capacity probably, and it's full. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to look up where... You, you think I'd remember I can, uh, such a pivotal... Yeah, I'll have a look. I can tell you where... Um, yeah, Macon Coliseum in Macon, Georgia. Uh, yeah, it's... 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 Oh, for concerts. They wouldn't be for concerts. But, I mean, we're talking, yeah, about seven, 8,000. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a minor league hockey stadium. Rick Flair's going to have McMichael's crying like 
a baby in that figure four and then party with his wife afterwards. And they do, and they actually list on the, on the Wikipedia edge for venue. They uh, they list the Scott Hall debut episodes as one of the major things from it. It's obviously a, a pretty. Uh, apparently, it also featured the announcement that Hulk Hogan would face Sergeant Slaughter at WrestleMania. It featured the debut of Paul Bearer as the new manager of the Undertaker. Um, it featured Psycho Sid's return in 1995, which wasn't long before what we're watching now. Uh, Shivani and uh, Zabisco have just been given a glass of champagne each um, by one of Flair's minions, I guess. Yeah, he, he has like a, a, a busboy, doesn't he? Do you remember the one yeah. that delivered the champagne to Deborah that was promptly spilled yes. on the floor? But, and also, Macon, Georgia, I believe, was the build hometown of Johnny B. Bad. And, more importantly, Dean, yeah. Macon rhymes with bacon. It does indeed. And now I really fancy some bacon. Good cheating on the outside here from Flair. This is what I've missed. This is why I've been so, so, so upset to have not been doing more episodes with you while you've been recovering. I've been missing some of this, this top shelf Ric Flair cheating on the outside. Well, I'll tell you what, we haven't had any cheating from women yet. Her and Liz just having a laugh on the outside about something, but we've had no cheating. I can I can only ascertain that she's paralysed by seeing Elizabeth display personality beside her. Elizabeth is reacting to to the action of she bump her head or something. Flair um, Flair and Anson linked hands to get extra leverage on an armbar, and then. Uh, Bagwell just came in and twatted Flair in the head to break it up. And, and as you say, Elizabeth reacted to it. Now, um, now I, I know I crack jokes about her relative lack of input from outside. But this does lead to a, a fairly serious question worth posing. Do you think, uh, we've, given that we're suddenly seeing this out of her now after all these weeks of her really not doing this Hill Valley thing very well, do you think someone's had a word for so look, we're, we're moving for two hours, this is the big one, we're making our big move on the WWE, we need everyone to put A game, right, Elizabeth, Elizabeth's a bit of a, a, a bit of a, 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 a sore thumb, let's maybe give her a bit of a crash course on, on this. It's, it's possible, I don't know, I mean, the other thing to think about is, you know, this, this is the, this episode of Nitro is going up against a live episode of Raw. And I don't know, because I think Raw was still one hour at this point, wasn't it? And so I don't know if if the first hour is unopposed and the second hour is where they're head-to-head, but I'm not sure. But yeah, you, they've started out with big names, Flair and Anson, obviously people from WWF fans with no Elizabeth from previous as they would with Flair. So, you know, it's, it's no coincidence that you've got this... Action, tag match with big names and Flair and Anson to start things, start things off. And Bagwell really looked like he caught Flair flush on the chin with that uh, top rope drop kick. Yeah, it's, it's, obviously we're, we're definitely in Flair country here. Arms reversing the, the small package, old school style. And Riggs is going to flip it back. 
No, I'm just about to flip it again for Bagwell. Tell you what, say, saying about all the things to start the show off with, one thing they have noted is it is in Georgia, so they're giving some old school tag team goodness. And Bagwell went for the uh, Fishman Suplex. I think he called that the Yellow Jacket Suplex because um, he was from Georgia himself, wasn't he? Yes. And Raspberry um, High. That was it. Raspberry <laughs> High is Jesse Owens. Raspberry. Oh, there's woman. There she is. There you go. Sound the woman cheating klaxon. Yes. And arm with and the sound DDT the arm DDT klaxon. Oh, yes. Give me this match ten oh, times Flair's, tonight. I'll be happy. Flair's just going to crawl over. Flair crawls over on his back with his arm over uh, Bagwell. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Flair was actually pinning himself there because his shoulders were on the back. But, but anyway, woman instrumental in a victory for the horseman. Not for the first time, not for the last. And that match pretty much sums up why we go back over 20 years on to watch more WCW. That was that was the perfect way to start this episode. Absolutely. Considering backstage, you, you know what they're thinking because they're going for this big storyline and they're going for this big move up in, in the length of the show. And they start off with that. Yes, fucking please. And Flair's just poured champagne on his head, presumably because he doesn't want to drink anything because Bagwell's just rearranged his teeth. Mean Jean's here. He spotted that woman's about. Yeah, and woman already with her hands away. away. Here have dug a bit of a hole for yourself because Flair is soaked. In Baltimore, Maryland, live on pay-per-view. Yes, you're going to be facing none other than Steve McMichael, his partner Kevin Green. And of course, we have to do this interview at the banquet table. Yep. Like it is. So it's Flair and Anderson against. Steve McMichael and the recently departed Kevin Green. And the next pay-per-view, which is the Great American Bash. There's a classic line from Arn. I remember that one when he first said it. I've never met a football player I call walk over to get to a better fight. Great line. When you come and see the horseman. You uh, eyeballed Deborah McMichael for a long Come in here, girls! And here's here we go. <laughs> Flair starts off at like 11 10. Which is his default setting most weeks. It is these days. Uh, I maintain what I said on the previous episode. This, this period of his career gets overlooked as one of his bright spots because obviously you can't match it to some extent to when he was going out on the road wrestling an hour-long classic three times a week. And I know there's there's certain career highlights that are better than him just, just doing whatever on Nitro, but he's so entertaining. Michael, <laughs> you've been playing football. Well, you probably couldn't get away with this angle enough. nowadays, could you? Ric Flair with Down two women in tow. <laughs> <belongs to the next laughs> he just he, he's just insinuated that while McMichael's been not playing football, he's been making he's been up for doing lots his time. misses. Yeah. Basically. yeah. Oh, he's, he's gone on to Randy Savage now. Wow. 
in addition to poking other people's wives, he's got to poke the bear, hasn't he? <laughs> yes. Main Gene is trying to cut him short because he's that. That's, that's a brilliant little touch from Gene, to be fair. Just, uh, just, just diving in to say, all right, that. So uh, we've just uh, been showing a little clip there of Michael and Green in the gym preparing. That's a good few weeks away, though, that paper view, isn't it? They'll be facing Kevin Green, Steve Mongo, McMichael coming up at the Great American Bash. Yeah. As the former yeah. All-Pros, warm former All-Pro, and Kevin Green of the Carolina It'll feel Panthers like a long way away because of how much will change in the interim. Yeah, but right now, so. we feel like we're in the middle of your typical early 90s Nitro, don't we? You know, this is uh, Michael Green in the gym. It's like a shit Rocky montage. With even shitter bandanas. And really weird, kind of judgery, deliberately judgery camera work. Oh, I hated that. What, what was the benefit of, of that sort of camera? I don't know, but I do feel like I'm having a seizure right now. Because it might, uh, it might be the COVID. We know that the infamous Neil Pruitt voiced NWO things will be round the corner. And there was a purpose for those. That was, they're doing like a deliberate, like murky outside the style. But why can't you just show these guys? Look, they're trying hard. They're going to try and beat the wrestlers. Wish them luck. Ooh. Obviously, it has given us the benefit of taking Mongo off commentary all the time. Well, there is that, yes. So, uh, Mongo described Kevin Green as his enforcer. And do you know what? Is this the first episode we have done with the gap? It might be the first time we've done this watch along since Kevin Green's unfortunate passing. I think it is, yeah. Such a rest in peace because of, uh, out of all the uh, non-wrestlers who stepped into the ring, he was he was definitely one of the better ones, wasn't he? Oh yeah, he was tremendous, yeah. And and also you could you could see that he was taking it seriously and he was he was treating it with respect no question about it. and training properly and learning it. Powerful man, Ric Flair, and Arn Anderson will ever face. Oh, stop it. They're going about so, it all wrong. They're lifting weights like a couple time for of another match, dumbbells. Yep, who's next? Power is going to solve the puzzle. Power, strength has... Oh, this is Steve Dole, formerly of Well Done in the WWF. This name, yeah, this name rings a bell. In the world, these guys are dead meat. I feel, I yeah. feel, I feel like I have some sort of link between Steve Dole and... Monday Nitro. He was um he was a, a big regional star in Pacific Northwest area. Then yeah, he went to WWF as one half of the, the undercard team. Well done. And he disappeared. This is probably this is probably his first appearance on national TV since then. But, but yeah, something happens here. So so here's Colonel Robert Parker with his new wrestler, the baller. Who, who also looks very familiar is uh, Mike Enos, one half of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, and then the Beverly Brothers in the WWF. And why, why does this match seem familiar to me and you, Liam? Well, I'll say one thing. If, if, you're, if you are uninitiated, you would look at this and you'd think, well, this is the, uh, the first sign that Nitro's gone two hours. Because what is normally a solid thing is now finding room for dross like this. Two former members of 
of two different, really lame WWF tag teams of the early 90s are going at it in a singles match, which is meant to be some sort of big thing for Colonel Robert Parker. It's more of an indication that his, um, his star recruiting abilities have really gone down since the stud stable days. Yeah, I mean, look at the uh, charisma coming out of the Mauler. And, and, and even the name, the Mauler, it's a bit meh, isn't it? The crowd are chanting something, but I can't make out what it is. You know, since the Macho Man was uh, taken Steve Dole's leg goes crashing into the camera. You could hear now. it, couldn't you? Security people at all the doors and all the exits, the entrances, and World Championship Wrestling. And uh, sure he's doing a middle rope fallaway slam. Look at this. Oh, nice. Now, the, the fallaway slam, that's that's a signature move of, uh, of a well-known wrestler, isn't it? all the way across the ring. He'll be, he'll be doing the razor's edge next, won't he, Dave? Look at the Mauler's eyes. I always look at a man's eyes. That tells you what's inside the soul. Yeah. Mauler here. Did you take a yeah, look if he threw him any further, we'd be throwing him to the edge of the hall. Or no, arena or whatever it's called. Like I would love to know Let's Eric Bischoff's demeanour right now. <laughs> yeah. During the early state what what is he thinking? What the, the anticipation levels of of how this is going to come off? I'm, I'm just looking forward to I'm looking at the crowd here because I keep looking at where where they start reacting uh, when they start realizing something's happening and then how they start reacting when it sinks in what's going on. But in the meantime, they've both uh, Steve Dole and the Mauler have, have spilled to the they've jumped fell over the top rope they've spilled out to the floor. Kind of I kind of feel bad for Mike Enos here. He's, he's working his ass off to make a good first impression. And it's going to mean absolutely stuff all. Did he ever work again in WCW? I'll give, given how many people they kept. Yeah, given how many people they kept on. I, I have absolutely no doubt they, they filled out Saturday night for a while. I might have yeah. to check Cage Match after. You've got me curious now. As, yeah, as you say, with all the all the shows that they had, must have, oh here we go, here we go. Look, we uh, we can see the way after the break. Yeah, and the crowd are on their feet. They're standing up row by row as they realise that's pretty cool. Yeah, and and now the cameras found Scott Hall. Wait a minute. What the hell is going on here? And Tabisco's trying to stay on job. And Giovanni's yeah. just like, what the hell? And he's got the toothpick. The match has stopped Hall dead now as, he, as he's yet. outside the ring. Scott Hall's just turned up and he's now getting in the ring. And Parker's Talking. like getting his man out there. He's like, no, we're having none of this. You people, you know who I am. Your people no, know who I am. I am. Don't know why I'm here. Sorry, I know this promo. Off yeah, I was going to say, I should, for those who are not watching along, uh, Dean is saying this before Scott always. But then again, I think we all are watching this, aren't we? Yeah, so Scott Hall is now asking where Billionaire Ted and the Nacho Man and the Huckster and all that are. Because, remember, this was when the WWF were doing their new generation stuff and were saying that WCW had had all the old guys. 
And where? These crowd are in shock. They don't quite know Steve how to react, do they? Look at them. I he wants scheme Gene. I think he's yeah. backstage with woman, I'm afraid. <laughs> so he's got he's got the uh, toothpick, he's got the the kiss curl, and of course he's got the accent of Razor Ramon at this moment in time. And this this is why the WWF launched a lawsuit about intellectual property because they were basically saying that he was making out he's a WWF wrestler in his WWF gimmick. I, I have to ask, I've heard several references to Billionaire Ted. Several references to the Nacho Man. Um, did he say the Huckster at any point? I think he did, but I'm not entirely sure. Because if he didn't, is that like one of the greatest pieces of foreshadowing? Mm. I might have to watch that again though after. He definitely said Billionaire Ted, the Macho or the Nacho Man. He definitely called. repeated both of those. I'm not. I don't think I heard the Huckster in his first go go around of those names. We're gonna have a. Uh, a look. There'll be a. Uh, there'll be a. Uh, what do you call it? A transcript somewhere. Yeah. There's a massively mammoth approach to this. Massively naturalistic. He has, he, he, he's kind of on the best cam for it, but he's not like standing front and saying he's taken the mic, he's gone in the ring at his, his earliest convenience. He's, he's, he's obviously addressing the camera because he's got a message for everyone, but the, the hush tones, everything was, was an attempt to be as realistic as possible. And definitely, at the very least, a damn sight more realistic than what you see on WWE now, where everything is so homogenized. Do you know something here? He mentions Billionaire Ted, the Nacho Man, Scheme Gene. He does not mention Hogan. I guess because Hogan, Hogan is, is out of WCW at this point. I mean, it's not like he's out of contract. He, they know he's coming back. He's filming. Yeah. But, um, but they, they hadn't, they hadn't um, concluded that he was going to be the third man at this point. I don't believe. Unless they had, like you said, it's a load of massive foreshadowing. Because I remember reading stories that they that Hogan had to be convinced almost like the day of the show, the day yeah. before the show, he had to be convinced to do it. But I mean, it's, absolu it's absolutely not deliberate, knowing that how much they had to talk him into it. It's only like late on that he realised it was going to massively benefit him, so suddenly he was fucking interested. Um, yeah. But in, in retrospect, it just makes it look even more deliciously ominous. And if you want to hear Dean and I, and some other dude, what's his face, uh, who's our special guest, um, talk for a, a ridiculous amount of time about the amazing setting of Bash at the Beach 1996 and just how ominous an atmosphere they successfully set up in what was probably their greatest offering, you know, all things considered. Um, that is a very recent episode. Go through our back archives for Bash at the Beach 96 and while you're at it, listen to all the others as well, yeah? Yeah, you can, of course, subscribe so you immediately get any new episodes like this one landing in your uh, in your podcast inbox, for want of a better expression. But uh, now we have got another match. About, that last match was just abandoned, basically. No ending. 
And um, we've now got Sergeant Craig Pittman, who has Teddy Long as his manager, against Diamond Dallas Page, who is no longer broke because he won the Battle Bowl. He did indeed, and he's bought new tights because of it. Meanwhile, you'll be pleased to know that Pittman has finally paid off that search for a manager. Yes. Do you remember Teddy that? Long. Yes, I do. <laughs> And uh, there's a really good spot there where he was doing one-armed press-ups at the behest of DDP. DDP then went to uh, boot him in the ribs. Pittman moved out of the way, and, and Page took a, a great exaggerated pratfall, basically. Yeah, he, he he was so good in that in that lower mid-card hill role. He was never afraid to make a tit of himself. He was very entertaining yeah. because of it. Uh, and also, it was, it was, even then, it was still surprising to see just how far he went. But I was always a DDP fan. Got to meet the man himself when he toured London a few years ago. Did a few interviews for Yahoo Sports. And this stuff here, this is great now because he, he, he head-butted Pittman. Yeah, too bad. It's the Pittman no-sold it, and Page got dazed and fell backwards through the middle ropes, landed himself in a roll of cable, and then got himself all tangled up in the cable. Just simple, fantastically done. That reminded me of the uh, the nets in Austin Powers. Oh, yeah. Do, do you know when like they throw something at him, and, and Austin Powers will like, actually pull it to his face and act like he's incapacitated? Yes. Just need a judo yeah, chop sure now. Well, you have to wonder who this benefactor is. Yeah, he's, he's doing his best to make Pittman look like a million bucks, which I can only ascertain means he's going to eat the diamond cut in the next two minutes. <laughs> it's almost like he's been watching the Macho Man for a minute. Oh, he's going for his finisher. Yeah, the Code Red, the arm breaker. Which means we need a screenshot of this so we can stick Bernie Sanders onto it. <laughs> Pulling on Teddy Long and shoving Teddy Long down. Long, he hit the retaining rail here. Teddy Long got shoved into the rail. Oh, nice. And there's the diamond cutter. The setup for that was very creative. I like that. He actually shoved Teddy Long away so that Pittman would step through the ropes on his apron to check his manager. And as he's ducked his head back under the ropes to come back in the ring, bang, the time of that was sweet. And another chapter for the diamond cutter out of nowhere legacy. And that is virtually the only offensive move that Page hit. The only one he needed, Dino. Oh, yeah. The only one he needed. Well, we're going to take a look at the... They've just called him Nutty Macho Man. So is that why he's called the Nacho Man? It's a it's a portmanteau of, of Nutty and Macho. Nutty and Macho. <laughs> and you can see in these highlights just how important Saturday night still was because for some reason he was brawling with the public enemy on Saturday night. Yeah. Oh, now that's where the referee was trying to uh, stop him from... Elbowing another ref. And do you know what this uh, do you know what this video package is telling us, Dean? Is it that Randy Savage is out of control? I think so. We just need I'm hoping there's another video package to ask what the deal is between Sting and Lex Luger. 
But yeah, as, as I recall, he, am I right in saying he's storyline suspended right now? Yes. But he will be back at the bash. Scott Hall the just, um, just referenced it in his promo that he's not even allowed in the building. Yeah, that's true, that's true. And, and but he'll be in the corner of the football players ah. as their coach, which makes sense because you give them that wrestling help because it's it's footballers versus wrestlers. Yeah, you need someone there just to in case things go tits up. You can someone who can hold it together. Yeah. Ooh. Plus, on the storyline front, it's like, well, he's, you know, who how are they going to out wrestle a couple of wrestlers without a bit of coaching? Yeah. Up next, it's the giant. He dares anyone to take that title from him. And uh, Mean Gene is backstage now with with the Shark, John Tenter. It seems like a bit of a weird match to have on the big Nitro, but I would I would imagine that the purpose of this is just going to be to show off Jimmy, uh, show off the giant's strength. Jimmy Hart brings the man in, Slambury, and makes me lose the match. And uh, he's not happy with Jimmy Hart. Yeah. He's no longer in the dungeon of Doom. Yeah. I'm not in the dungeon anymore. Wait a minute, has he officially thrown you out of the dungeon? Oh, there you go. Yep, he's thrown out of the thrown out of the dungeon. I'm gonna hurt you. Which must be devastating to be thrown out of the dungeon of Doom. I mean, botched this line there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna win the world wrestling. Every. He, but what did he repeat? Either championship or wrestling. I'm botching my so announcement of his botch. The giant, the WCW heavyweight yeah. title, and you're going to take a, yeah. a crack at Jimmy Hart. All of a sudden, the giant's the big man on campus. I'm the so, one. He's been chucked out of the Dungeon of Doom. He, you know, this is how Frank Lampard felt earlier this week. And speaking of Hulkamania, he has been hobnobbing. Yeah, who could have seen that coming? I can't believe that the the side who sack a bunch of managers every time they go five seconds without winning the trophy who promised that they would stop doing that and they'd give their homegrown hero several years to build a lasting legacy. Even hold, hold on, hold the phone here, Liam. We've got a Hulk Hogan babyface music video telling us how great Hulk Hogan is, even though he's not been around for a couple of months. Yeah, personally, I'd rather just carried on with Frank Lampard. Thanks for dragging me back to this garden. He's oh, training boxing no. with George Foreman. I don't know how Foreman that helps. used to be my favourite boxer. Superstar Shaquille O'Neal, who was with him as he first won the WCW World Title. What, what is the point of this? Well, they're getting big on the celebrity endorsements because that's that's what they've got to do to remind us, yes, he's still a big deal. Oh. It's just further emphasising just how behind the, the current flow of wrestling he was. And I, I don't even... If he'd, if he'd have bottled the um, the Hollywood Hilton, I don't even want to think what what would have uh, entailed him. Because he'd have, he, he would have looked even more like a, a relic, a dinosaur. Ooh. 
Hulkamania's back. And don't forget it. You're Hulkamaniacs. When, when he went here, I don't know, because obviously you, don't, you didn't get the, the behind-the-scenes insight into things that you do now via social media. Once he turned here, I don't know if he was still doing all of the um, hanging around with other celebrities or stuff, or, or, uh, or if that was all kept hush-hush because it didn't fit the character. Well, it, it, what, what is uncomfortable is that he's hobnobbing with all these celebrities to remind us he's a big deal. Uh, they're all African-American athletes, and we know what he thinks of those. I hadn't even thought of that. Very good point. We are now into the second hour of Nitro, and uh, it's now looking and sounding a bit more familiar because we've got Eric Bischoff introducing things, and we can see just on the... Uh, on the the long-range shot there, we can see the usual desk. No Steve Mongo, but Michael, thank fuck for that. So it's just Heenan and Eric Bischoff. Why don't they just have Shivani and Zabisco at the booth as well? And then while they're showing that ridiculous Hogan reel, they can swap them over. Well, they have an ad break as well. With the dresser in front of the door, they're both under the beds with that miserable little chihuahua, and they're looking at each other. He's straight on the offensive about uh, the Horseman versus Footballers match. Yep. And it's worth noting that Zabisco was very much in the Hill commentary role. He was he was having a few digs at Michael and Green as well. Oh, Bischoff says we're not even going to, I love this, we're not even going to dignify the interruption that happened. And how do you not dignify it, you mention it specifically, <laughs> and then talk about what he said. So as it turns out, the shark has his own theme music when he's playing the dungeon. Until presumably the people, the composer, what's his name, John Williams, the composer of the Jaws music, probably got onto them for intellectual property as well. I mean, considering how many blatant ripoffs there are in those stereo entrance themes, I'd shocked if one's collared that. I think what died that one off is just because it was a really shit gimmick. Also, did you notice the uh, two children in the front row who had blatantly been given Hulk Hogan bandanas to put on their heads? Yeah. Quick, find those kids from earlier. We need them. Put them on camera. And here comes the giant. He looks so Two. impressive as, with the championship round his waist, doesn't he? So, um, we are kicking off the second hour. Now, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm thinking this, if this is the head-to-head uh, -head with Nitro hour, with Raw hour, I should say, or if that was hour number one. I have to check, but considering they stuffed the horseman and uh, the, the Scott Hall appearance in the first hour yeah i'm thinking like to, yeah whereas now we're about to get your typical nitro you know giant versus shark sting versus scott steiner reasonable stuff for a nitro up against the taped raw for instance in previous weeks but this is against a live king of the ring qualifiers and something happened with that so as um as this match is happening on Nitro on Raw, we've got the Ultimate Warrior in Gold Dust. I think he wanted to go in the back door like he did. Smart move on his part. Well, we are into it here. Shark straight on the attack. 
Final oh, he has shark attack written on his ass. Obviously, the Dungeon of Doom have lost Loch Ness by this point. Yep. And sharks on the Alps as well. We don't know how long they actually go. I suppose up until a certain someone in the ring joins a new world order in a few months. Yeah. That and that'd be the end of the dungeon doom, the giant, wouldn't it? And they don't like each other. And you know, John no, Tenter was an enormous man. And he looks just normal size next to giant. No Big clothes though. We've said this several times before, but um, if the giant had kept in that shape, Jesus Christ. He'd, he'd have been peerless, wouldn't he? Yeah. It, it, imagine imagine in that shape, still getting fed up with WCW when he did and coming over to face uh, peak Steve Austin. Although I suppose the biggest obstacle there, yeah, I mean, Vince McMahon has never been that offended by a big guy being a bit chubby. I think the biggest problem there might have been Vince Russo's writing. I mean, he, if you remember correctly, he he had Steve Austin pin the big show six days before WrestleMania. Where you'd think, you'd think after he got the title back from the Rock at WrestleMania 15, you'd think that's your next program, wouldn't you? After what happened at St. Valentine's Massacre in the cage match, that's waiting for like six months of business after WrestleMania. But yeah. Definitely. A big slam on Shark by Giant, and the crowd really popped for that one. Yeah, I think that's the, that, that must be the main thought behind booking this, because he's not a threat to the title. But it's a good way to show off the Giant's strength, because as you said, he's against a, a large and tall person, and he, he's just towering over him. So that's really making him is, This is presumably... The, the Sharks babyface turn or first match post babyface turn surely you'd want to have him steamroll over a lower card here but instead he's against the Giant in a match he's clearly not going to win and the crowd are pretty much dead for this well I suppose it's not like they they see much value in him they're, they're turning him face to maybe freshen things up but they're not thinking oh babe face John Tentral will set business alight I think from what everyone says about John Tentral they just loved having him around he was, he, he was well received by everyone they probably just wanted to to keep him justified on the payroll, on the Nitro appearances. And, but he's, at this point, he's got no business beating anyone of, of any note. So why not just dispose of him to the world champion? And he, he'd slowly work his way down from there. Although we do know, you, I plugged Bash at the Beach before, he does get one high-profile pay-per-view win, which you'll remember, I, I thought that was better than most people did. Oh, we're against Big Bubba. Yeah. It was it was well booked. It, you know, there was lots of gimmicks involved. And it was oh, was that the Carson City yep. silver dollar thing? Yeah. And Jimmy Hart was involved there, so maybe there's a linkage. Jimmy Hart's just caused the shark to walk into the chokeslam. 
and the crowd reacted to that. The crowd were, were literally up on their feet for the choke slam. Yeah, happy to see him go up because they, they, uh, that's an impressive choke slam. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what. And speaking of Big Bubba, well. oh yeah. What's he doing? Another man for thousand kills, and he's shaving his head. So here we go. Speaker Bash of the Beach team. This is the match oh, that leads yes, to that. We, yes, because we saw him with half his head shaved, didn't we? So, so um, yeah, so he's, they've, jo they've jobbed him to the world champion to show off the giant strength. Fair enough, because it's the giant after all, and everyone should be losing to him at the moment. And he's, he's now got a program as a babyface. So that's not too bad. Yeah, and yeah, they've shaved one half of John Tento a shark's head. And but Bubba with his with his greaser biker look and <laughs> uncomfortably a confederate tattoo certainly looks the part as a hill in his in his four billionth reincarnation since rejoining WCW. Yes. Look at that. Half his hair cut. Only half his head. Max taking on And we have a guy I've never seen in my life before called Max taking on Luger for the TV side. Is it Max Muscle? All right, welcome back. Remember there was a Max Muscle who was there in was, the corner yeah. of uh, DDP. Bischoff still seething about Scott Hall's appearance. Yeah, he's not going to dignify it by mentioning it, but he's mentioning it. He's seething on air, but secretly he's like seeing the, uh, the pound signs. Yeah. You know, if the uh, if the Monday Night Wars happened now, it would basically every week be a be a battle, a race to see who could be trending number one worldwide on Twitter, wouldn't it? Yeah. So this like, is yeah. this is is Ultimate Warrior number one trend, or is it is it Razor Ramon? Yeah. This is definitely Max Muscle. I've just looked up. He did change his name to M A Double X for a little while. Right. And apparently he's part of the Dungeon of Doom. I didn't know that. Okay. He had his own theme music, whereas the usual Dungeon of Doom goobers come out to that awful cackling track, don't they? Yeah. Maybe he was a prominent feature of WCW Saturday Night. And soon we'll never have to wonder that ever again. I've just seen that there's someone applauding there by the banquet table. Has Flair's boss voice still out Potentially, but don't speak ill of the next WCW World Champion. Not the bellboy, the uh, table. Blow it all sky high. Luger is one of Sting's best friends, apparently. I thought he was Sting's best friend. Yeah, but what is the deal being? Well, they're best friends. Oh. One of them's best friends. I'm glad we know the deal now. Case closed. I mean, there could be other best friends, though. Are you trying to insinuate there is a, uh, a, a Miro to the, to the, to the Chucky T? <laughs> Which is a very strange one. I can't help but watch it storyline on AEW at the minute. Nice haircut, Max. I want to see how it pays off. 
it's just weird how they're having Orange Cassidy, right? He's meant to be nonchalant, and yet he's, he's sad that his friend is blatantly being forced to do this. So I think it could be written better. Plus there's the fact that why, why would Chuck Taylor agree to a match where he has to do that if he loses and he has nothing to gain if he wins. <laughs> yeah, there's no payoff if he wins. What kind of moron is, is Chuck Taylor? We've been talking a lot about Steve McMichael and Kevin Green, and yes, Kevin Green is scheduled to appear on the Jay Leno show tomorrow night. You can bet uh, he and Jay Leno So, again, I, I think we've got a bit of a, a shark giant flavor here. Is all I can see in the ring right now, Dean, is a big lug who's going to go up in the rack. In the rack, exactly. And I think the crowd think that as well because we've got, we've got a lot of empty blue seats where people have clearly gone for a piss or for a hot dog or to piss on a hot dog. Um, and... Um, it's, it's a popular hobby in George right now. And, um, yeah. The, the kids are reacting a bit, but that's about it. I've heard of pissing on cornflakes, and now I've heard of pissing on hot dogs. And pissing on your chips, surely. Uh, that, that one sounds a bit too northern for me. No, I don't want to piss on your chips. Do the chips have gravy on them? If so, you know, definitely pit, too much yeah. for me. Or, or, or you know, piss on your parade. That sounds like another website you've signed up for. Yeah, that's, uh, it's only five dollars a month. It's great value. <laughs> Proud into Luba. Yeah, Luger with his horrible-looking clotheslines. Oh, but a big power slam from Max. I tell you what, he, he just showed me something there, Luger, is that whether or not you can throw a good punch or a clothesline really doesn't matter. If you catch those ropes with a good bit of pace, that seems to be what the fans pick up on. And I suppose if, you, if you've got a lot of charisma and energy behind your punches and you miss by, by a foot, uh, you'll still probably whip the crowd up into a frenzy. Bischoff sounds like he's talking off mic to someone about he can wait till the end of the hour. Yeah, get the heck out of here. That could be another Scott Hall thing. Yeah. I'll let him speak at the end of the hour. Maybe he is referring to just Hall turn up again at the end. I can't remember. Well, we will get into subsequent weeks for sure where him and someone else, a a big man, will... uh, We'll show up at the end of shows. Maybe that actually starts here. I love the way that this uh, this happened 25 years ago. We're careful not to give spoilers. Well, you never know. There's probably someone out there who doesn't have a clue what's going on. His name is probably Paul Benson. (laughs) I I do love having a dig at Paul Benson. Recently, I was uh, I was looking at our um, I was looking at our stats for the last month, and we only had one listener from parts unknown. Paul Benson. <laughs> so, I was going to say either means that um, 
that Podbean's uh, geographical detection has improved, or we really need to, to up our game in marketing this podcast to the good people of Parts Unknown. That being said, the last time we touched base with the Parts Unknown situation, we did mention that there was a bit of a... Uh, uh, an insurrection going on in office that could cause disruptions. I would suggest that that is what has led to the numbers going down. But then, to be honest, I don't know about you, Dean, but I'm a bit tired of bloody insurrections and attempting to take Parliament buildings. Well, I've got to say before uh, before those um, those those riots at, um, well, a few weeks ago now, wasn't it? But before those riots, uh, the only time I'd ever heard the word insurrection was for WWF UK only paper. That's very true. Although I do have to correct you, they're not riots; they're protests. I checked the colour chart, and apparently, uh, the uh, the Family Guy colour chart. Yeah. Some of the coverage, I don't, I don't want to veer off too much, but some of the coverage was nauseating. The amount of P's and Q's being minded when it comes to those guys. We were thankfully under arrest now. I, uh, I just, uh, just uh, heard, um, just heard Bischoff talking about Yakuza, so I don't know if he's talking about something that's going on in WWF. Here he goes. And look at the pop time. before he's even lifted him up. Yeah. That's why they book these matches. I suppose if, you, if you're going to pad out your first two-hour show with filler, there is worse matchmaking than giving your big, strong top stars, big, strong bodies to lift up. Yeah, it's very old school, then. Give, give us the giant powering up shark. Give us Lex Luger lifting up Max Muscle. And then put them on collision calls at the Great American Bash. Even Bobby Heenan's referencing the one-upsmanship of it. I've got time for that. All right, very impressive here tonight on WCW Monday Night Drove. Mean Jeans wrestled himself away from woman to be in the ring. June the 16th, so we're, we're talking about three weeks away, aren't we? And you knew it was going to be in Baltimore because they're all in Baltimore. I've been to Baltimore a couple of days in there. I enjoyed it very much. You ate your sandwiches outside the venue that Sting won the world title. Yeah, I had a little lunch break for some sightseeing. There was no reason to go inside the Royal Farms Arena, but I had a glimpse. Did the did the walk between the Orioles baseball ground and the Ravens stadium? Did I tell you I got to interview Michael Phelps for Under Armour? I didn't know that. I also heard you once went to Japan. Yes, and I also managed Terry Funk. Oh, hang on, that was someone else. So, Mean Gene's just querying the fact that that uh, DDP has been denied a title shot against Luger for the uh, for the TV title. Was that DDP's attempt to um, to get some sort of bargain from the world title match you never got? Yeah. Try and make a living. Put food on the table, Giant. And we've just seen Giant choke slamming Luger through a table a few weeks ago. And Luger's now referring to himself in the third person. Tried to take me out, Giant. Dinner and coffee. And this guy here was a big man. I just put him in the rack. 
I want every big man WWE's got before oh. I wrestle the Giants. He, the Giants he wants to wrestle exclusively big men to right, put them all what? in the wreck. Yeah, right, so that he can wreck the Giant. Please, well, that's interesting build-up. Gene can't even remember the name of Luger's opponent. Mission. That is going to be June the 16th. I mean, they cut him down to one name. You think that'll make it easier? What's the name of the this big guy again? You know, the giant? Yeah, the giant. Matt or Melvin or something. Okay, so we've we've now we're now going to have a match between hard work Bobby Walker and Brad Armstrong. Now, as you know, I loved Brad Armstrong, but. This, right, this is a Nitro right. level match. This is a WCW Pro or something like that level. So, hard work Bobby Walker is coming out in a boxing robe to what sounds like a rip-off of uh, the Rocky theme. Well, not the Rocky theme, so I have the Tiger. Yeah. Which is sort of an unofficial Rocky theme. Against a man who is, without question, one of the most recognized of the Cruiserweight contenders, Brad Armstrong. Here comes Brad Armstrong. One of the most underrated WCW themes. Oh, that guitar wild. One of the most underrated WCW Yes, I know, Dean, will you? Stop going on I'm joking. But, uh, yeah, and he's got a Stars and Stripes. So, are we getting Rocky Balboa versus Apollo Creed for that Stars and Stripes? <laughs> so, yeah, did, did anyone else use that thing, Gene, or was that just Brad Armstrong? His brothers. It was like the, the Armstrong family. Because you had uh, Scott and Steve tagging up on... I remember they tagged a lot on Saturday Night Worldwide when I'd seen yeah. them open up an edition of Channel 5's Worldwide. Oh, yes. And in case you just joined us, you may have heard that we were uh, rudely the infamous here feud between the, the Armstrong uh, brothers and the faction of William Regal, or Lord Stephen Regal, Finley, and Dave Taylor. Oh, what a highlight of 1999 WCW that was, Dino. And just worth mentioning in commentary here, um, I, I think this is basically just a match that that Bischoff can talk over about the angle that we saw earlier because he's refusing to name Scott Hall because he doesn't want to incur the wrath of any legal teams. Of course, late for that. The given what they've done. Yeah, but the fans here in the arena live, having been surprised by Scott Hall showing up in the last filler match, they're probably looking around the arena now expecting like Sparky Plug to show up. Kevin Nash, yeah. <laughs> Quang. Quang. With an interpreter Quang. saying, what? You, what? you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. So we were talking about the, the creativity of calling a giant the giant, but fuck me sideways. What kind of a name was Quang, eh? Yeah, what, what, what's the sound of 300 pounds of shit hitting the canvas? One of which Quang. is veteran, the other, a rookie. The rookie now, hard work Bobby Walker in the corner. Both men, you can bet, will be of hey. at the great American bash. Well, he tried to land on his feet off a monkey flip. Oh, oh he's, he's botching everything. 
Yeah, they're trying to present him as like this uh, light heavyweight prospect. And a little bit of his look and the attempts to walk the ropes are reminding me of what we'd get a few years later out of one of my low-key favourites in the dying days of WCW, one prime-time Elix Skipper. Although Elix Skipper was much, much better with the aerials. I mean, you'll remember when he walked the cage in TNA. That was fantastic. Now, nah, he's a guy who would have been... I mean, he was also in TNA, but if those stuff had carried on, I think Primetime would have been... Not like a main eventer, but he would have had a, a great, great time. How, how does he do in your um, infusion WCW? Oh, obviously, well, my, my first move is, is that the Triple X stable that we did see in TNA comes about a lot sooner. Uh, 2001 WCW, obviously, you'd expect guys like Christopher Daniels to get some work. You'll remember Daniels showed up on one of the last Nitros. Him and Michael Modis got destroyed by Scott Steiner. Um, and I had Daniels and Loki wrestle here and there, but then they actually ended up costing the, 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 the Cruiserweight champion at the time. You'll remember Shane Helms won the belt before WWE bought the company, and they actually cost it to, in, a, in a bit of a shock to Skipper. And uh, that's the formation of Triple X. I think I gave Jason Jett a cup of coffee because he showed up at the end of the real dose. So he was all no, easy it. money. Yeah, was you worked right, with him in Britain, money. didn't you? Yeah, he did. He did one show for um, for FWA. Yeah, he brought him over. He was, yeah, nice he was good. So yeah, Jason Jett got a cup of coffee with it. Skipper won it back. That made him a three-time champion total. And then he was the man to mint AJ Styles at Starcade 2000. Oh, also on the uh, David Arquette documentary, they have the famous photo of him walking out with the belt round his shoulder that we have used as a uh, cover shot for uh, this very podcast. That we made famous, you could argue. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Bobby Walker's going up to the ropes again. Oh, and he slips again. Fucking hell. Oh, this is oh my just God, but now he's trying. I don't yeah. know if that was trying to be a, a top rope. I don't know if that was meant to be a top rope um, sunset flip. He ended up basically headbutting Grand Armstrong. No, I think he was definitely going for the blockbuster there, but even then, yeah, it was very ugly. Oh, blockbuster, yeah. But that, oh my God. I tell you what, considering how we talk about, well, you mostly talk about how professional Brad Armstrong is, but you'll notice he he wasn't laying particularly aesthetically pleasing for that pin, was he? So that makes me think that he was actually, he wasn't selling, he was, he's probably done his nose or his jawing with that. Yeah, you can see as he's leaving the ring, he's like mm. checking his nose. Because a pin, uh, if you're pinning Brad Armstrong, normally it'll look a lot better. Yeah. Because that, that was why you guys in the industry admired him so much. Yeah, and also it's noticeable that there's no replay there of the finish. Yeah, and they went straight to they, they went straight to the wide cam as well, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, yeah, if, you, if you go to the top rope and you screw it up, then I guess going up to the top rope again to kind of exercise those demons is 
is the best way of doing things, but obviously you don't want to then slip on the ropes again. But it's easy to see why he didn't become a thing because that was not a good first impression. You can see it at the end of the match there, he smacks his fist on the ropes before like, the crowd looking looking happy with the ring. You can see he was And here now comes Lord Stephen Regal with Chiefs. He wants and he looks very unhappy with the crowd. The the broadcast, depending on whether or not he can, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't know how to handle this one. And that music can only mean one person, Liam. The Macho Man, Randy Savage. Yeah, uh, just looking up Bobby Walker, and he was part of that lawsuit in 2000-2001, where Sonny Ono and co. claimed that um, Caucasian opponents were, were instructed to make him look bad, and I think you can agree from, from watching that match, there was nothing Brad Armstrong could have done to have salvaged that. Well, yeah, I mean, he didn't talking, do anything wrong. Talking about that one match in isolation, um, Bobby Walker did everything there to make himself look bad, unfortunately, because it was very, yeah, very unfortunate. He, he slips off the ropes not once but twice, but um, yeah, for a big Nitro baby, that would have absolutely killed his confidence. He was also due to be in Battle Bowl, but he was attacked by Lex Luger and replaced by Diamond Dallas Page. So his absence led to the slot that allowed DDP to, to win. Okay, so we've now got Regal against Alex Wright. So, now I was going to say these two would know each other from Europe, but actually they wouldn't because Wright wouldn't have debuted as a wrestler in Germany before Regal came over to... Um, the great Hulk to WCW, but Regal will be very familiar with his father, Steve Wright, English wrestler who then based himself over in Germany. Hence Alex Wright's rather English-sounding name. And obviously you can make plenty of uh, England versus Germany references here. Indeed, although it would be... Well, I guess it'd be lost on the commentators and it's not going to get mentioned. Whereas, yeah, absolutely, if this was in the UK, it would, it would be mentioned. An age-old sporting rivalry, putting all political events from many generations ago aside. But, yeah, it's, it's always and, been... Yeah, and political events where they most of the fans think it only involved them, their country. Yeah. A man who shows a lot of promise. Not, not to say that the that the Southern United States fans are uh, historically educationally challenged or anything. Far be it from me. Now this is um this just seems to me to be a very low key second hour of Nitro. Given the the style of wrestling, given the people on there. Well, we did do our detective work earlier, didn't we? And we, we theorised that Raw went up against the first hour. I mean, I don't even know if that is definitely the case, but looking at the evidence, I'm sure. And big dive over the ropes onto the floor by uh, Wright. He clean, cleared the ropes clean. I don't know what Heenan and Bischoff were saying on the mics as we went to break there. 
what's going to happen with this other guy, Heenan said, and Bischoff said, I don't know. So whether they're talking about, that's like talking about Scott Hall or what? I yeah, it must have been, because it would have been strange to have picked that up otherwise. Yeah, you, oh, wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't associate Heenan and Bischoff with not knowing their time cues of where, when to talk and when not to talk. Yeah. Oh, oh Glacier's my, um, coming. I, I've heard the rumours. <laughs> Coming your way, and hey, I want to take this opportunity to say a good uh, a hello to a, a good fan, a viewer, regular viewer of WCW, Dave Renikoff, out in Washington. So I've got He's no idea who the shout out that Bischoff's giving that to. It, it sounded like Dave Renikoff, which is a fantastic <laughs> name. Yes. Oh, in fact, Heenan just said the same joke. Rent-a-cot. And Heenan's now just making traffic comp. Yeah, that, that's him sorted for the next half an hour. Yeah. Alex Wright from Germany. Easy for him to fire back with one of his own. Beautiful leg trip from Regal. Excuse me, drop to hold takedown. And into a cross face. Kind of a modification of a drop toe hold. Yeah, unsurprisingly though, the um, the grounding of this and the, and the unique style these two bring to the ring has definitely brought the crowd down a little bit. You don't really don't want to see this go too long this match, given the pace of the show. Now, it could very well be that this match has been, with this style, has been placed here to bring the crowd down and let them go to the loo and get a drink and all that stuff so that they're ready and they're in their seats for the main event, which I'm presuming is going to be up next, between Sting and Scott Steiner. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't drag too long though, because that that won't reflect on these two very well anyway. You just don't want them. You don't want to see wrestlers like this be put in a a particular death spot. But if they are just going to slow the pace down for five minutes and then give us a a good finish, then fair enough. <laughs> Regal patronising the referee. I know what the rules are. Classic, uh, reminds me of um, Leon Harris, who was uh, the, the wrestling name of Brian Glover when he worked over in the UK here. And um, yeah, he would often in that broad Yorkshire accent of his, I know the rules, referee. <laughs> Especially against the likes of Les Kennett. And obviously you could see the influence of, from, from those sort of people on... Uh, Brian Danielson in his or Daniel Bryan now in his independent days because he he did the running gag of oh, I have till five referee didn't he in the corner yeah oh yeah when, when Brian Danielson came over to the UK he was obviously a, a superb um, technical wrestler but the character and the charisma wasn't there and they basically stuck him on the holiday camps and I remember talking with him when he first arrived in the UK about it and just telling him what to expect and what they're all about and and for overseas listeners who aren't familiar with holiday camps it is basically a um, it is essentially it's like a, a 
if you imagine the prison camp, in the, you know, you're just sat in the venue and you're, but everything you need is there from your food to your, food to your entertainment from morning, noon and night. And one of the entertainments that they have in most holiday camps is wrestling and people that are there aren't necessarily wrestling fans and you have to work so hard to get this captive audience to engage with what you're doing because they're not necessarily fans and he never looks back. Yeah, we'll find out. yeah, I mean, I, as a big fan of early Ring of Honor, I remember he was he was always turning out amazing matches in Ring of Honor, like he did most other places. But the difference between Danielson in those first couple of years, where he was one the one the uh, the founding fathers, one of those big indie names like with Loki and Daniels and CM Punk and AJ Styles to put them on the map. The difference between those early years and then when he had the run with the Ring of Honor title. In 2006, when he really was the complete package. Yeah. You can see us when that person sure come in, but yeah, it's just funny you relay so those stories and we see Regal, who we know has a direct influence on, on Danielson, and you can see where that, you know, it's, it's one thing to see Daniel Bryan use a bit of the, the European style. We see lots of wrestlers influenced by that, but but then you see where the, where the sass comes from, and that really puts a smile on my face. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you look at Regal from Blackpool, from, you know, the, and a three-count Regal wins the match. I was oh, going to say, Regal from Blackpool, you know, the, the, the capital city of, of cheesy British seaside holidays, and no wonder he's so fantastic at that. We say that, and we and we praise Regal, and yet he's done something with a finish that match that really upset me. He, he has reeled off from the babyface Alex Wright in the corner, He's tripped him by two feet in the corner, and instead of doing the obvious, he has actually just gone and done a, a pretty straightforward roll through. A very good wrestling move, opinion. But look, he's held on there, he's gone down. Why are Regal's feet not going up on the top rope? Uh, right was a little bit too far away from the corner, I think. Oh, I would have loved to have seen that. That's, that is one of my favourite heel moves. Especially from such a desperate situation where you basically just... Like, had to shrug them off in the corner or trip up their legs. But anyway, right now, Jeeves has got to go to run back and get changed into his Wildcat Willie costume. He's now with Mean Gene in the middle of the ring. Who had to change his pants after seeing Woman. You have some adverse feelings toward us. Listen to me, you miserable little toad. You telling me how to act my life. It's like Quasimodo telling somebody how to bloody walk straight. <laughs> Regal straight well, Regal's on not happy with uh, Mean Gene asking him day. what he thinks of Americans. My father will be so pleased I beat Junior Adolf there. <laughs> Just called him Junior <laughs> Adolf there. To think the of how uncomfortable oh, you WCW, got when I was making jokes with Robin the, the War. And Regal just We've goes and does. It was a different time. It was a different time. If you didn't notice... Two weeks ago, <laughs> I put the toughest man in wrestling out of the bloody game. Then Two weeks ago, I put the toughest man in wrestling out of the game. Who's he talking That's about? That's referencing the parking lot brawl with Finley, isn't it? With Finley, it right. Because I'm going nowhere, and it's time I had my bloody say in what goes on around here. 
And I think they're trying to raise his profile a bit because I'm well aware of who he faces at the next pay-per-view. So they'll give him a bit of a they're giving him a bit of a short push here. Who does he face at the next Sting? I was always a big fan of Sting and Regal at the Great American Bash. But that's why they're giving him a yeah, no. they give him a bit of a higher Prove profile here, a bit of mic time. I'm going to make a statement, a challenge if you wish, to the man they call the franchise. Oh, here if we go, straight to I it. I beat this man and you, Mr. Sting, yep. I hope you're Challenging listening. Sting. I will then be held within some esteem here well. and maybe get a shot at this bloody circus freak that we have as a champion. <laughs> Calling the I giant a bloody circus bloody freak. Please, right in this Thank you very much, possible. Take it to the championship committee, yeah, you could. He, he might not have the big, booming projection of most professional wrestlers, but you can never accuse Regal of, of not being good on the mic. That was fantastic. And he, did, he didn't lose a beat either. Super confident in, in that whole thing. Hilarious. Mm. Well, I mean, Re Regal as well, if you follow him on, on Twitter, he is a, a big fan of, uh, of old-school British comedy, which is where a lot of that delivery and a lot of those one-liners were, were influenced from. Yeah, but as a, the one thing if you could change would be the... Uh, it's just like, you, you see, Gene had to keep following him with the mic. Yeah, and the project, you, you know, you, if you, if you, if you, and you, you've no doubt done this in your experience in commentating and doing promos for wrestlers as a manager, is, is you, you work on your projection. It's one thing to speak with confidence, and it's another thing to speak where you, where you emphasise the right points and you make sure everything is able to be heard, even with a microphone. Other than that, I, I really enjoyed that monologue from Rickle. He was like a machine gun on the put-downs, wasn't he? Yes. So, uh, Scott Sterling has come out looking absolutely fucking enormous. Bigger than we've seen him before, I think, it's safe to say. And not smiling, not looking in any way happy. Sting, Sting has now gone to Flair's table, shaking hands with the busboy, and uh, the bellboy, I should say, and uh, helped himself to, I don't know what it was, some grapes or something. Sting action figures in the front row. So we've got one half of the world tag team champions in Sting against one half of arguably the most famous tag team in WCW right now. Are you anticipating the same shenanigans that I'm anticipating? Yeah, potentially. We've started with a handshake. And that camera shot of the handshake did allow me uh, the first proper view of what you pointed out earlier, that Scott Steiner has definitely been drinking his orange juice. He's fucking, you know, look at the traps popping out of his neck. I'll give Scott Steiner credit. I don't think he's ever gone on record to deny taking steroids, has he? Do you remember the, um, the We've referenced it before, yeah, with Triple H. Triple H, the he, famous story that, yeah, they, they asked him to uh, take a drug test and he said, sure, get Triple H to pick me up in a limo and we'll go together. And they never asked him again. Uh, ne never at any one point did he ever say, no, I don't take steroids. But, uh, yeah, obviously, 
we, we live in this taboo society where it's suicidal to admit that you did unless someone manages to find your prescription on a website and waves it in front of your face. <laughs> and even then, the likes of Ken Anderson will still try and fucking deny it. It was him, wasn't it? I don't, I don't want to be throwing that at you, but he was definitely one of those on the... Remember the two, the post-Benoit signature wellness scandal, do you remember? Yeah, well, Regal was one of them. I'm yeah, but sure. Anderson yeah, was the one who got belligerent and tried to keep denying it and dug a deeper hole. I can't remember. Which I think... I know there was all that talk when he was released less than a year later about messing up a spot with Randy Orton. I would yeah. like to think that's not enough to get... I always had the feeling that when he did that, just absolute botched backfire of, a, of, of an attempt at being a flag-waving PR, uh, yeah. I would like to think that they're thinking, right, first excuse we get, get rid of him. Yeah, now interesting move there from uh, from Sting. He basically went up to the middle rope from being from the corner, and whereas normally the guy will twist around and, and do a cross body block, he just did. He just dived backwards blind and went with his back into the, the front of Scott Steiner and knocked him down. So. That's either something went a bit wrong, or these guys do know each other well, obviously. I've got all that utmost trust in your opponent. I've seen a couple of wrestlers try and do that, and they usually lead with the elbow. It's supposed to be like a back elbow, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas there's most wrestlers prefer to turn with the elbow. Yes. There's a guy um, There's a guy in Mexico, Aerostar, who basically does a, a, a Brada moonsault without the, the actual moonsault. He literally just jumps off the ropes and flies backwards onto his opponent. Yeah. One of those things that looks tremendous, but as I said, you have to have total, complete trust in your opponent. Ted DiBiase was another one. Ah. Ted DiBiase uh, used to do it, but he'd, he'd have a Ric Flair success rate. Yes. That was in literally how he'd always start the babyface comeback, is he tried the blind yes. elbow. The blind back elbow off the middle rope that he only ever hit in squash matches. Which is good, because I think you've got to be able to hit it in a televised capacity somewhere, otherwise it just looks yes. horrible, doesn't it? Yeah. You're like, why'd you still do that, you fucking moron? In fact, I'd, I would like to think that Ric Flair in a squash match would would land a move off the top. Rope. Well, that is a fair point. When when people talk about how weekly televised matches can can lack a bit of storytelling, and we obviously we don't really have many squash matches anymore, I think the two are tired of each other. I, I really believe if we could uh, if we could get a few squash matches back in rotation, not we don't want a TV show full of them. But it's, as we've seen with this show, it's a good way to showcase some of your wrestlers sometimes if they've if yeah, they've not got anything to do. Yeah, you, you establish some moves and then it's a big deal when they try it and it gets kicked out of or they miss it in a competitive match. It's an underrated part of the missing. Yeah. Stein, you got a two count. But yes, it's, I know what you mean. It's I, when I was booking, I did like a squash match. I did like building people up with squashes. Well, maybe not that family. Doing the slow burn with things. Yeah, a lot Scott of wrestlers are going for an STF. Yeah, he's busting out moves here. And that was kind of the point I was going to make actually. Is is that in squash matches? wrestlers were able to show off a bit of a moveset and obviously a lot of wrestlers had one finisher that was protected 
but they were still able to dust off some big moves. Like, think of like Scott Hall's belly-to-back superplex, and he'd absolutely waste um, jobbers with it. I don't know if he ever got the pin with it because he had the razor's edge, but he would basically hit that superplex, and the razor's edge would be a formality afterwards. He'd just hoist up with yeah. weight and add that to the point where if he hit the uh, the superplex against Bret Hart and Bret Hart sells it as only Bret Hart can. You're like, oh, fuck, how's he going to get up from this? The razor's edge is going to happen, and that's it. And then uh, and then he'd wriggle out the razor's edge, or we'd get a two count and get his shoulder up from the suplex. Like, oh, wow. And yeah, because you've seen... Yeah, you've seen that. Get, the, the thing with getting things over in wrestling, it's incredibly simple, and people overcomplicate it. And it's the same with a catchphrase, with an entrance, with whatever. It's about doing the same thing over and over and over again until people get conditions to it. Imagine if Ric Flair changed his entrance music every single week. It wouldn't work, but with, with Flair on this show, the moment you heard the, the, the opening notes of Also Spax Althustra, you know Rick Flair is coming out because it's the same music that he comes out to time and time again, and it conditions you to it, and that's how it, and that's how you do things in this. And you'll remember a, a very green Chris Masters got the full Nelson massively over. Scorpion death drop. But Sting can't yes, cover. Referee now beginning to count both men. And there's nothing wrong with bringing a full Nelson no hold back. It's, it's not like people saying, oh, oh yeah, the full Nelsons are finishing in the day where everyone's doing some sort of DDTs. No, if a guy the size of Chris Masters puts you in a full Nelson, yeah, you're toast. And that was a point Paul Heyman made on, on Stone Cold's podcast, wasn't it? Like that he, he could get... Mark Henry over with a side headlock finisher. Yes. Because Mark Henry putting you in a headlock and then and then putting the effects on and the body language that he's putting all of his strength behind it. Oh, here comes Luger. Oh, here's Luger. What is the deal? With Lex Luger and the Steiner brothers. Because the crowd are barking, which means, yep, here comes Rick Steiner. Dressed very curiously, but let's leave that there. Heenan's chance now, to make a, a joke about Rick's intelligence. Let these two athletes fight it out in the ring. So earlier on, we saw Luger we saw Sting hit a Stinger splash. Out. Scott didn't sell it too much. Sting then whipped him back into the buckles, went for a second Stinger splash, which telegraphed that he'd miss it, which he did. And then we had a, a dragon suplex from Steiner and a belly-to-belly suplex for a two-count. And they are, the, the crowd... I don't know, they don't seem to be into this as much as I would think, because these two are really pulling out the stops, they're busting out some really big boots. Yeah, Scott just did the uh, Super Samoan drop that he loves, and yeah. it didn't get a reaction, which is a shame. He's now given the signal for the Frankenstein, and that has got a response but Sting holds on to the ropes, and he's now going for the Scorpion, because Scott went up the ropes it. right there, though. Straight in the ropes. And a clean break. Should have turned him the other way. I mean, he's only been doing this, what, 15 minutes. Don't let him loose. Tombstone. Oh, these two do love a tombstone reversal spot. I remember when they did that at Super Bowl 1, Dean. 
Yes. I watched too much WCW. I'm sorry, everyone. Well, who am I apologising to? You, yeah, you are sorry. here because I watched too much WCW. Heenan just did something that I think is a cardinal sin in commentary. He made it. He made a joke saying that, that um, Steve dropped Steiner on his head so it probably didn't hurt him. But he said it during a, during a pinfall attempt. Yeah, make that joke afterwards. Yeah. Yes. Now, you know, the thing I've always been taught and I always abide by is when someone is making a pinfall attempt, you, you don't talk about anything other than the pinfall attempt because otherwise you're telling the crowd this is going to be the finish or don't worry about this or don't worry about this move. And Luger and Sting and Scott Steiner sort of jockeying for position on a suplex and Lex Luger interfered and now Rick Steiner and Lex Luger are drawing at ringside and, and this is another flashback of Super Bowl 1 because this is the this is the tag title match so right now we've got both Steiner brothers beating up Lex Luger and as soon as Luger fires back that is interference against the legal competitor I guess so at that point Rick Patrick rings the bell and now the crowd are, are reacting and a load of the, the dressing room are now emptying out to uh, separate them I mean you'd think Sting and Luger had enough on their plate with Regal and the Giant set up for the bash oh it's Jarrett is that Jarrett? no no Jarrett. He was no he wasn't he looks a lot like him and Jarrett still had long hair at this point. Yeah. But it does look like chosen one Jeff Jarrett, doesn't it? <laughs> Jeff Jarrett is time travelling and has landed in Nitro in 96. So that's why he said slap nuts a lot. That was his password to start time travelling. <laughs> to the portal. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of fingers in a lot of pies for Sting and Luger. They, they don't have the tag titles anymore at this point, do they? Don't they? I thought they did. Well, Luger only showed off the TV title making his entrance. Oh, and here comes Scott Hall. You got such a big mouth. Calling Bischoff Ken Doll. are sick of it. What do you mean, who's me? Hey, we are sick this, of it. You know this who. This is where the big boys play. What a joke. <laughs> See, I love that it's I playing into what. all the comments he you was making about the taped roars. Because that is what the trigger is here, isn't it? Of mm. his very, very best. Maybe, uh... So he's told Maybe Billy there, Ted, to get three of his best. Oh. He's mentioned the Nacho Man. Yeah. Hey, maybe, maybe he get the stinger. Mention sting. Ooh, I so scared. All with a very bad Spanish accent. <laughs> you go get anybody you want. He's kind of called two of the actual three members of the team, isn't he? You want to go to war? It's the first hint of a we rather than just war? him and his himself. Yes. Because he's saying about three, only, three on only three. Let's do it right. In the you ring, want a war? 
where it matters. Not on no microphones. Not in no this is this is the part of May 27th that gets uh, forgotten about easily because obviously the big moment was when he walked down that? earlier. Yeah. And it's bigger moments were to come in future yeah. weeks. The, the, this is the more significant promo, isn't it? A lot of hints are dropped. The Wii challenging the ring, making reference like to Bischoff's not, snipes, which is the, which is what is the the grounds win. for the takeover, isn't it? Yep. You're out of here. You're out of here. And and also what I what I don't Heenan's looking like he can't believe what's happening. But it's all, all very all very realistic. I love it. Yeah. Well, you say that, but surely, if if that was legitimate, you would have had security everywhere, and you wouldn't have had him. You wouldn't have had him come out again a second time because he'd have been lobbed out the venue by now. So, I get yeah. You know, obviously, you, you you need to you need to um. The first time have a, have a bit of creative license to be able to do that. The first time I thought there'd be there was a bit weird. Hey, just easily walked through. You think it'd be more security involved, but they were building that second one. How you could hear the we we made reference to those little um, conversations Bischoff and Heenan were having, presumably with producers. Yeah. And about all right, we'll get we'll give him time to say something at the Oh that's true, at the end of the show. The end and of I the suppose hour. for this all to work you just have to believe that the basic premise of how contracts work are uh, 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 non existent in the KFA world. Yes. And also they're presumably going on the belief that well they, they kind of want someone of, of Scott Hall's calibre to, to show up but they don't take kindly to his threats. Yeah. But I think for the most part they've done a great job there. No, yeah, I mean it's. I, I remember, you know, I remember when this when this this happened, and you know, as soon as I mean, it, it took a bit longer for news to break, obviously, in those days. But I remember everyone, you know, the attention of the wrestling world suddenly shifts back to WCW, like it had in September the year before when Nitro launched. But now we had, you know, we had this reasonably even one week on, one week off, tit for tat um, ratings war. Now, all of a sudden, everyone is tuning to WCW to see what happens next. Yeah. Well, I've got to say... That pivotal episode, it'd be it'd be silly to try and even entertain anything other than a thumbs up because that was oh, great God. to watch. Yeah. I will I mean, say I, this though, I, yeah. I, I, I miss, I do already miss our breezy forty-five minute assignments. Yeah, I'm gonna miss that era, but we're on to a big era now, and there's gonna be a lot of quality coming. Yeah, I mean, I think I I would say overall, as you say, because of the historical significance, because of the quality of of the first 45 minutes that that horseman tag match the the scott hall promo the historical significance it's a thumbs up but that second hour for me dragged yeah i, it, I wouldn't it say had... it was bad but yeah it, i mean as we said earlier the basic old school premise of building uh giant and luger 
you know, lifting up big bodies. Yeah. And I, I liked a little bit of that. But yeah, there, there, there wasn't much else to it. Regal was good on the mic. The main event was, was unfortunately flat because Sting and Scott Stein you'd, would be a great WCW TV main event. So yeah, it was a very it was a very average second hour, nothing terrible, but yeah, I think drag might be the right word. Yeah, um, over on Raw, just to let you know, because I like to do this, um, it was a live Raw from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, they had King of the Ring qualifying matches. Ultimate Warrior and Gold Dust had a double countout. Smoking Guns beat Skip and Zip, um, and then in another King of the Ring qualifying match. Um, Ahmed Johnson fell to, vict- fell to defeat for the first time ever in the WWF again, or on TV at least, uh, against Vader. Um, so if we look at what we've got ahead of us next week on Nitro, um, we have got um, Big Bubba and um, John Tenter. I'm guessing the shark gimmick gets dropped. Um, we've got uh, Faces of Fear and High Voltage, Sergeant Craig Pittman v. Disco Inferno, Lord Stephen Regal and Jim Duggan. So, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, that, again, it's not shouting, um, you know, marquee matches, but but I guess this might be, you know, just getting used to a bit of a deeper talent pool. Uh, Prince Ikea and Kevin Sullivan. But then, then we've got Flair and Anson against the Rock and Roll Express, which should be tremendous. Mm. Um, that should be fun. Giant defending against Ice Train, Scott Norton against Hugh Morris, and then Sting and Luger against the Steiner brothers. Well, Luger said he wanted the big wrestlers. I suppose um, uh, an inflatable Scott Steiner would qualify. Would qualify, indeed, <laughs> yes. Right, well, we will leave things there. Thank you ever so much for uh, for downloading this episode. Thank you for your patience in the fact that we have been very quiet due to um, the fact that uh, my health took a turn for the worst. Um, but I, I, I'm now reasonably uh, reasonably confident that I've kicked COVID's ass. Um, so you can um, find our entire back catalogue uh, at becauseww.podbean.com dot com or indeed from wherever you get your podcasts from we will be back very shortly we are we're talking with uh, a few guests we're we've been talking about uh, reviewing a clash of the champions aren't we yeah so here's what i'm thinking dean if you're up for this here, here we are content planning live on the air um because because we want to make up for a bit of lost time there's a certain clash we've been talking about doing and we were going to try and have a guest on, and we just got to try and figure something out about about whether or not I'd be a guest. But regardless or not, I I think you and I should cover very soon the 1991 clash, the the clash that everyone, considering what sort of uh, things all of our listeners and, and guests bring up as being their their favourite era of W. If we look at that infamous Sting versus Rude clash. Oh, we should Let's do that next. And if we can get a guest on with us, happy days. And if not, me and you do it old school style. And we'll get the clash era on this podcast. A new, a new, uh, a new feather on our cap. Well, let's get it done in style and let's start off by doing that. We'll make up for lost time after that gap by by doing a quality clash. What'd you say? I think that's a good idea. Very good idea. Yes, and of course we'll carry on with the uh, the Nitro watchalongs because you know I now want, uh, having seen this episode, I I am now 
I'm now wanting to know what happens next, as I'm sure everyone was at the time. So um, <laughs> it's so, yeah, a golden age for Nitro Watch Along. It's a golden age for Nitro Watch Logs, absolutely. So um, don't forget you can follow us over on Twitter at becausewcw or facebook.com forward slash becausewcw. We'll be back very, very soon. So on behalf of Liam, this is me, Dean Ayers, saying thanks for listening, and I'll see you ringside.